Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Depending on where you may be in the world today, we thank you for tuning in to the Being Love in Action podcast. And I am your host, Kenya C. Williams of Kenya C. Williams Ministries. And we invite you to share with us on today while we walk through one of the most love-inspired texts of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. So we encourage you to pull out your journals, fill your coffee and teacups, sip your water, and listen with an open heart and mind while being inspired, empowered, and even challenged as we share with you through the gospel of Jesus Christ what it means to be love in action. Good morning. Thank you once again for tuning in to, with us on today as we are walking through 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 8. But today we're going to focus on verse 5. Amen. And today we're going to share as we are back on the episode of of being love in action and what that looks like in our daily lives and how we can apply this text to our daily lives. Amen. And today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. And we know that the this chapter starts off with talking about what love is not in verses 1 through 3. And then as we get further down, it tells us what love is. And so we've talked about love being patient. We talked about love being kind. In episode 10, we talked about how love, even when someone is dishonored, that we can be love and honor, even when being dishonored. And today we're going to look at, as the scripture says in verse five, love, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. So today we're going to look, we're going to talk about self-seeking. And what does that look like when we say that love is not self-seeking? Amen. And when we look at this, this text, what I want to gather to, with us today from this text is that we should be able to demonstrate the love of Christ in our lives by being charitable to others without an explanation or an expectation of return. You know, when the word says love is not self-seeking here in 1 Corinthians 13 and 5, uh, what he's talking about is selflessness. You know, love is selfless. It is not self-seeking. And it is the act of demonstrating out of benevolence, out of charities to others without an expectation or return in lieu of concern with others' needs, putting others before ourselves. Now, listen, I am not implying that there are not times in our lives that we should absolutely make sure that we are, we are, we are hold and that we put ourselves before others. We're not talking about in that context. We're talking about as a whole. Yes, there are times in our lives we should take care of ourselves. Absolutely. We should not engage or, or, or be in unhealthy relationships. We should make sure that we are healthy, mind, body, and spirit. But here we're talking about continence. We're talking about character. We're talking about moral compass. When he says it's not self-seeking, because if we're honest, there are people and we may be that person, amen, that 
we believe that the world centers around us. Maybe it's not you, but maybe you have someone that you know of, whether it's someone in your family, maybe it's someone in, in, that you work with or business partner. It could be um, a friend. It could be um, someone that you, you go to church with, that you, you see that at times they want it to be all about them. You know, it, it, it's all about them. And it says that love is not self-seeking. I want to give you what the, the, the dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, defines self-seeking as. It says, having concern for one's own welfare and interests before those of others. It's self-serving. And then we're going to look at selfless. And so we're going to transpose because we know that when it says that it is not self-seeking, the word that is interchangeable, the very opposite of self-seeking is selfless. So we're going to focus on the selflessness of us of humanity the selflessness act you know we're always talking about in this ministry the life application of being love in action so the life application of being love in action through being selfless so we're going to look at how uh through the word of god and you know that one of the things that this ministry does is we use the stories of the bible to bring to life the very things that God is using to demonstrate here in this text in Corinthians. We're going to show through the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. We're going to look at their lives and we're going to look at their, their um, relationship. And we're going to look at how God used this relationship to allow the widow of Zarephath to be selfish even in her life when there was a time in her life she could have really been focusing on herself amen but this woman of god this courageous woman decided that she was going to embody what selfless means amen so to walk with me as we walk through this text through the story of elijah and the widow of zarephath amen but before we get into the story, there are some things that I want you to keep in your mind and keep in your heart as we begin to get into this story. I want you to ask yourself this question. How can we implement the spiritual life application of living unselfish, showing unselfish or selfless love toward others in our daily lives? That's imperative because this, this walk that we have with Christ is a daily walk and it should be part of not who we are, but what we do. It, 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 it should embody our very essence, our continence. Amen. That people who come encounter with us, you know, yes, we have bad days and we are not perfect and, I, and I'm not implying that we should be. But what I'm implying or suggesting is that there should be a purposed lifestyle. There should be a purpose to the way that we live. And we know that in this story, we're finding the story in first King, first Kings verses seven, chapter 17, verses 10 through 14. And here in this story, we don't know the name. The widow of Zarephath was never given a name in this particular story. Amen. But we know Elijah was a prophet and we know that he prophesied to the king Ahab, who was an evil king of the Israel nation. And he was married to Jezebel. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, maybe this is your first time tuning in and you're unfamiliar to the story. I always 
suggest that anyone who listens, go back and read the stories for yourselves. And you can go back and you can begin to read the story in 1 Kings, right about the 12th chapter. Um, You can begin to kind of get an idea, the background information of who King Ahab was and who his his uh, father in his lineage and then how he married to Jezebel who was a worshiper of Baal amen so when you get an opportunity go back and read it but for time's sake we're going to start in first kings and we're going to look at chapter 17 verses 10 through 14 amen and here in this text it begins where Elijah the prophet prophesies to King Ahab. He goes to King Ahab, who is totally living and going against the will of God. This is a direct direct descendant of Solomon's family. Amen. King David and then his son Solomon. And these are descendants of King David's house. And so as we know, David and the children of Israel are God's children and they served and worshiped God. But as life happens and as they begin to intermix with other cultures, then the worship of Baal begins to, which is a false god, begins to um, flow down and incorporate into the kingdom of Israel. And so much so, King Ahab, literally as he married Jezebel, began to not only worship, but he resurrected a temple for Baal, the worship of Baal for his wife. And we know that for those of us who believe her, believers of Christ, Jezebel was an evil, evil woman. She was so evil that she killed the priest of God. And so Elijah goes to the king and he begins to tell him what was going to happen because of the fact that he had turned away from God and he had led the nation of people to turn away from God. And so he tells King Ahab that there is going to be a famine in the land due to the lack of rain, due to a lack of rain, and it would be for three years. And then God tells Elijah, now you need to leave. I want you to go and I want you to go to Zarephath. And when you go to Zarephath, I want you to go there and there will be a widow who will provide for you food to eat. And so here is the text, and I'm going to read it to you. Verses 10 through 14, 1 Kings 17 chapter. So when he went to Zarephath, he came to a town gate and a widow was gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and he brought, he, he called. And he said, bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will will not be used up and the jug of oil will not 
run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Wow. Here is what I want us to look at in this story. Elijah goes to a place. He knows, first of all, he knows God. He knows God's word to be true. He has faith in the true and living God. So whatever God tells him to do, he does it. Amen. So he goes to this place and then he meets the widow. Now God has spoken to him and said, I will make provision. There will be a widow who's going to provide for you. He gets to Zarephath. And then he finds the widow. And then here is what happens. He says to her, can you give me some water? And she says, yes. And then he says, could you give me some bread? Right. And then she tells him the reality of her life. She says to him, if I can be honest with you. I just have a a small jar of oil, a handful of flour, and and I have these sticks and I'm going home to prepare my last meal for my son and I to die. Now, this is what I want you to understand from the very beginning of this. Even Elijah's faith was being tested. Because here he was. A man of God sent by God and God said to him, I'm going to make provision for you. And then when he gets to the place where God sends him, he finds that even in this place, there is famine in the land. And that the woman he sends him to, she doesn't have much. My God. There is little can I, can, I, can I tell you something? Listen, the widow was preparing her last meal for her and her son. And, and, and Elijah, at some point in his mind, in his human condition, said, my God, now my God has sent me here and I trust him because he's allowed the crows to feed me, an unclean bird, to feed me and give me water by the river and 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 he sent me in a place where the woman he's sending me to and the place he's sending me to there is famine in the land there may be some places in your life that god will send you come on somebody and you may say god why are you sending me here and when you get there only to find that it is no better than the place that you left He, he sends you from one city to another city. And then you said, oh my God, well, I thought I would be able to find a job right away. So what is, what is going on? And, and you find yourself still looking for a job and it's a year or two later. Come on, somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to. And, and, and he may tell you to leave this one job and, and go to another job. And then you say, well, Lord, I... I made more money on my other job. Or he tells you, you know, I want you to leave this job and I want you to start this business. He said, oh my God. And then when you get there and you begin to prepare, you find that there are roadblocks or what appears 
to be roadblocks because of the reality of what you see in the natural. Can I bless you this morning? See, the man of God, the prophet, very early on, he, he spoke life into his situation. See, even though he, he said to the woman, listen, can you give me a jar of water? And I want you to understand that even from the beginning of her relationship or her contact with Elijah, she was walking in obedience. She was walking in selflessness. Can you understand that in her mind, she was preparing her last meal? I want you to catch that. She wasn't going home to make a meal. She wasn't even thinking about what the next day was bringing. Her mind was set on death. Oh my God. See, it, the, our realities may be that which it seems that death is imminent. But I want you to understand that when God sets in into your situation, he changes it immediately. See, the, the man of God spoke life into this woman from the very beginning of their communication. See, what I loved about the widow was that she was honest. She wasn't ashamed. She said, listen, all I have is just this little. And, and, and if I can be honest with you, I'm preparing to die. I, I, I don't see any hope for me and my son. See, you got to understand that women couldn't go out and work. Widows were supposed to be helped by her family. Maybe the husband's family or those connected to her. But you got to understand that there was famine throughout the land. So in other words, everybody was looking out for their own. Who was looking out for the widow? Who was looking out for her and her son? But, but what I love about her was that she said to the man of God, she never said, no, I can't help you. Look, I got my own mess. Look, I'm about to die. I ain't got no food. I can't help you. She said to the man of God, listen, this is all that I have. And, and if I can be honest with you, sir, I don't plan on being here on tomorrow. And the man of God, even in his mind, said he, he couldn't, he, he knew that God was in it, but he didn't see how God was going to do it. But he believed and trusted in God and the the. The, the serenity and sovereignty of God. He said to the woman of God, he said, listen, do not be afraid. He spoke life into her. He said, don't be afraid. And in her obedience, which is one of the most selfless acts recorded in the Bible, and we know one of the greatest, the greatest selfless act of all was Jesus Christ on Calvary. Amen. But in this context, in this text, I believe that this story demonstrates the act of selflessness. One of the greatest acts of selflessness. She be, was obedient. And watch this. He asked her to prepare the meal for him before she fed her child. Now, you know, come on, somebody, somebody asks you, listen, 
I need you to take your last and feed me before you feed your children or your grandchildren. Come on now. Let's be honest. How many of us would have done it? Can I be honest? If I just take out, you know, who I am and the spiritual part of it, I probably would have said, no, buddy, I got to feed my grandbabies first. I'm, I, let's be real about this thing. Do we have the kind of faith? And I'm not talking about no pimping prophets who telling you, you ain't going to be blessed until you, you, you bless the man of God with your money. See, it wasn't about money. Because see, he, from the moment he touched her life, he spoke life. From the moment he was connected to her, he spoke life. And he said to her, I promise you, God said, if you do this, your oil, your jug of oil will not go dry. You will have enough flour to produce bread. In other words, he said, until this famine is over, you will always have something to eat. I need you to hear me this morning. Would we have the faith of the widow of Zarephath to be selfless today? Think about it today. Think about in your life when you were in a tough spot. Have you ever blessed someone? I'm not talking about in the overflow of life. When we got a little more money than lunch money like the old folks would say. We got some savings. I'm talking about when you got $5. And you give $4.50. Have you ever been there? You can't say amen, say ouch. And the word of God says she went and she began to prepare the meal. And, and watch this. One meal that was offered to the prophet of God. God allowed a miraculous increase in this woman's life. It, it, it allowed it to continually flow in her life we don't know if this was the first the second this could have been the very beginning of the famine it said three years so her one act of selflessness allowed the flowing overflow of God to bless her life listen to me people of God overflow doesn't mean that you got the biggest house or you're going to get the best car you're getting a brand new car it may mean the same car that you have that you've been having that may have some issues God is going to allow it to hold up until it's time for you to get a new one it may mean that job that you're sick of they're not paying you right your boss be cutting up on you he may allow you the strength to stay and the humility to stay until he bless you with the right job because of your act of selfishness selflessness Maybe in that marriage where you're just sick and tired of your spouse's stuff. Day after day, you're, you're trying to love on them and they just keep pushing you away. And they just, you know, things are not happening the way that you feel that they should. God said, hang in there. Selflessness. Putting others before yourself. 
God said one in the story, one act allowed this woman to have a miraculous increase. You know, faith is so powerful because in faith, we can continue to see God's hand move in our lives. See, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11 and 1. It's confidence and assurance. See, this woman's selfless act superseded her reality. This woman was preparing to die. She took her last and she shared it First, with the man of God, listen, I don't know who I'm speaking to. Maybe there's a, a man or woman of God in your life, a prophet or pastor, someone in your life that God has allowed you to come into contact with. And you have no idea that they may be in a season, but they are relying on the crows of life to feed them through God. Oh, Jesus. That they have very little. And they may share with you things. And you're in a position to bless them. But you look at what you're dealing with and you say, no, I, I got to take care of me first. Now, I'm not talking about someone. We know that people are schemers and all of that. But let me tell you something. God is raising up the remnant of God in this season. They are truly men and women, prophets and apostles and teachers of God that are really out here doing the work of God. And some of them are living day to day on a daily bread. They are living by faith and God is operating in their lives. Some are being talked about by those people who are supposed to love him. Understand when Elijah was being written about and the prophets of, of, of this time and the judges, they were not part of the in crowd. See, we can read about them now while they were going through. Some of us, our stories of faith will be written about years from now. But if you are connected to a man or woman of God, in this season and God has allowed you to be part of their story listen like the woman my God the widow of Zarephath her selfless act towards the man of God allowed her to have a miraculous overflow it didn't necessarily change her location it didn't necessarily change who she was, but it blessed her. It did not stop her from dealing with life circumstances, but we, we see the hand of God in her life. We have to be honest about the realities of our life and our situations, but don't allow our situations to put us in a box where we can't be a blessing to others. The Bible says love is not self-seeking. 
it is selfless. The act of selflessness is when we are concerned more with the needs and wishes of others than with one's own unselfishness. And I promise you that God will bless you unlike he's ever blessed you before, where you will see God's hand in your life. I pray today that this word blessed you and that it inspired you to be love in action through selflessness. Now, I also want to share with you on today Jesus Christ is always available. He is our Savior. He is the great I Am. He is the one that holds life and death in His hands. Here with the widow of Zarephath, she spoke death because she felt death, but the man of God spoke life. Jesus is life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Bible says that no one comes to the Father except through him. I offer you Christ today. For we all have sinned and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. But what the word of God reminds us in Romans 10 and 9. That if we declare with our mouth Jesus is Lord. And believe in our hearts that he was raised from the dead. We will be saved. That's the assurance of salvation repentance to turn away from our sins declaration of lord jesus being lord and believing that he was raised from the dead the resurrection that you will be saved listen i pray that on today you were blessed that you were inspired to go out and live by being love in action by being unselfish and selfless to be a blessing to others. I am Kenya C. Williams of Kenya C. Williams Ministries. And until we meet again, may the love of the Father be upon your life and may you walk in every blessing that he has for you. God bless you. Until next week. Amen.